Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome, I'm Larry Ryan. And today we're not talking Champions League or Premier League or even FA Cup or even the, the dreaded looming international break. Uh, instead, we're talking about five-a-side, an elected area of football, I think. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll throw in a bit of six-a-side and seven-a-side as well. But uh, James Brown is with me. Um, James has written the book Above Head Height, A Five-a-Side Life, uh, just published by Quirkus. Uh, thanks for joining us, James. Thank you, Larry. Now, James is a man who's lived many lives. He's a music writer with the NME and others. He started Loda magazine. He was editor of British GQ. Uh, he's a magazine publisher, entrepreneur, TV presenter. He's, he's currently radio presenter on TalkSport. Uh, but fundamentally, I think, um, in his heart anyway, I think he's a, he's a footballer. That'd be right, James? Well, that's the thing that's lasted longer than all of those jobs, definitely. I've uh, Obviously, like most of us, I played football as a kid. And then yeah. through work, work, Sunday league teams, work teams. But in the last 20 years, I've played a lot of five-a-side. And that really was, that's, well, that whole timeline is the core of what I've written about. Above Head Height has been described as a love letter to football. Um, do you mind me asking what sort of vintage you are now? Uh, and how long you've been playing the game, playing five-a-side? <laughs> I'm 51. <laughs> I'd, come under the, I'd come under the category of player knackered and past it. <laughs> I, I used to be a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like when you go to a testimonial and you think he used to be really good. He can still pass, but he's got a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're pulling the strings now in the middle of the field, kind of thing. Yes, yeah, something like that. But you know, I still, I still play. I play three times a week. Um, I, I can't run as fast as I can. But then there's a lot of people who play five side have never been out to run. That's the beauty of it. it. Anyone can play it. Uh, you decided to write the book when a friend of yours, um, or at least someone who you played five-a-side with uh, for over 20 years, uh, when they died. Yes. Yeah. My friend James Kylo, who organised uh, Wednesday and Sunday games, really unexpectedly died. And um, it just made me think about all the guys I play five-a-side with and how little I actually knew about them. And that was one aspect of an article I wrote about James and about Fiverside, and it really struck a chord. I had uh, hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of responses on Twitter. And I think over 100,000 people read the article on the Telegraph. And it, the response was so strong and so much identification. I, I, I thought I could write a book about this, I'm sure. I have clearly understand something that everybody else does. And... Uh, so that was it. I just pitched the book. The publishers went for it. And it's, uh, you know, there's just a lot. There was a lot of stuff to write about because no one had ever written this book. 
people have written sort of memoirs and, and fan uh, letters and, uh, and books about other hobbies and passions, uh, music or also travel, but no one's ever done Fiverr Side. So it wasn't like I had to steer away from certain subjects because it had been covered elsewhere. I had the whole run of the mill, you know, from um, from the types of players, all the different types of players. So, uh, you know, the guy that won't chase back, but he's happily to sprint in <laughs> the chance of a glory goal. Uh, yeah. the, the guy will give his all, even though he's not that much good or she's not that much good. A lot of female players now, obviously. Um, the, uh, the, the, the person that shows up late every week apologises like it's the first time he's ever been late. Uh, just so that, yeah, yeah uh, you know the, the the person who had it and hasn't got it uh, there's just so many you know, the goalie that has great gloves but never stops a shot <laughs> all, all, all <laughs> sorts of different all sorts of different characters uh, and then beyond the characters there were things like the kit you know what your kit tells says about you uh, the guys that wear a vintage kit the guys that show up with the rattiest old t-shirts that you can't even tell the original colour of the, the preparation for games, running around last minute trying to find your boots. <laughs> when you find them, pulling them off a shelf and all the little black rubber pellets from the last match falling out over you. Uh, sure, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there was just so much to write about. It was great fun and I really loved it. And one of the nice things is I'm getting quite a few people saying this has prompted me to go and play five-a-side again. It really made me want to play, which... I didn't anticipate that response at all. Just back to the back to the relationship side of things, James. Um, it's a funny thing. I mean, we play with the same guys for maybe 10, 20 years. Um, you know, five or so, which is longer than most jobs last or maybe marriages or whatever. But um, we, we, we never see these guys away from the football, but we get to kind of get to know them in a different kind of way. Is that the way you felt about your friend? Yeah, yeah no. Uh, well, well, the guy that died, I did know because he'd introduced me to this actual game. And I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd bump into him in the park once a week. Uh, he'd be cycling, I'd be having a walk or something. And um, But, I mean, most of the other guys that came to his funeral I'd never seen in anything other than football kit before, you know, yeah. or half-dressed in the changing rooms. I'd never mind seeing them in sort of their funeral gear. And um, even when we... Uh, had a memorial match for him six months later. I was chatting to one of the guys that I played with for 17 years and I said, Jeff, who do you support? Because <laughs> I didn't even know what team he supported because he always came in a white T-shirt or blue T-shirt, didn't wear his club colours. Or, and he said, oh, I'm a Liverpool player. And, and, we, <laughs> uh, and the, uh, this other guy, John and I, both looked at him smiling. He went, supporter, I'm a Liverpool supporter. Yeah, yeah. But, but that little moment really sums up. One, I played with this guy for 20 years. I don't know even know who he supports. Two, yeah. he has the same dreams as me and all of us. I think there's a connection in playing five-a-side as you get older with the dreams and the games you played as a kid. When you, you know, you'd commentate to yourself. I mean, I, I grew up in Leeds and, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> under the sort of... Uh, Don Rivier, so we had the great Johnny Giles, Billy Bremner, Alan yeah. Clark, Norman Hunter, and um, so these guys were my heroes. And when I was a kid, it was going through my mind that I was them. And and clearly, this sort of thing still goes in because this guy Jeff had said, "I am a Liverpool player." That's not like 
he was trying to say I'm a Liverpool planner and he mispronounced it. He said what he was thinking. Yeah, I think, I think there's, a, there's a small part of us um, that part of us all that clings onto those dreams. But do you go home after a game now and find yourself uh, replaying the highlights in your mind? No, well, one of the guys that I uh, interviewed for the book, because there's a lot of other people's voices in the book, it's not just me banging on. Um, yeah. He, he organises a game I play in on a Tuesday, so about once or twice a month, and he said he goes home and really hopes that something he did would be in his mind, the highlights of the game. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I mean, I do that. I, I've written in the book about some of my favourite, well, a couple of my favourite goals I ever scored, but I do that. I go home. When I was younger, I used to be thinking about, I could, you know, if it was an hour of five-a-side or 90 minutes of eight-a-side, I'd normally be scoring quite a lot of goals, but now I'm going home when I'm playing against a lot of guys half my age, just trying to think that was, you know, that was a good pass or, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, whatever. And uh, so you kind of, um, yeah, it's just basically the, my highlights have reduced in age. And I've, I've deliberately got a sort of self-deprecating honesty mixed with um, a mad over self-belief. So I, I hope that reflects how we really are as players. It's funny, yeah, the, the game always seems to drag you back in, doesn't it? Just when you've, you've kind of given up or, or um, it always gives you a little moment, a goal or maybe a little pass or whatever that drags you in again for the next game. Yeah, well, that, no, you're absolutely right, Larry, because I think that's why you keep playing. Because the, the feet, especially certainly, you know, there'll, there'll be people listening to this in their teens and 20s and early 30s they'll be wondering what the hell I'm on about, but... I'm 51 and I'm not actually sure how I ended up 51 to be honest because it was only 32 yeah. about 10 minutes ago uh, yeah. and even even like when I was sort of 36 David O'Leary was the manager of Leeds and that seems like five minutes ago so it's when you score a goal a great goal or make a great pass or just have a great night you, you there the, that is the reason you come back the following week, uh, definitely. Uh, I was walking home from um, a Thursday night game I played with my son on his school AstroTurf pitch. And there's 50, he's 15. Uh, and there's a lot, there's about six sort of 18-year-olds who I used to coach when they were 13. And, um, and then the rest are dads, you know, the kind of guys in their 30s through to their uh, early 50s. I think I'm the oldest. I was walking along, was bemoaning. I hadn't, had, I didn't think I had that good a game, and I could just remember one pass that went straight to feet from about twenty-five yards, and um, and he said, "Yeah, but Dad, you scored that great lob," and I just there are bits that now I'm getting away to. I can't even remember what's happened minutes before. But honestly, in that particular game, the thing that struck me most was there's a little boy that comes along. His older brother plays. His older brother's 18 and his dad plays. And the little boy sits yeah. at the side. He's 13. And I've said to his dad a couple of times, I said, let, why, why do you let Sonny play? And what it is, is he, he's at a, a top championship club academy. And I think he's a bit worried he might get hurt. It's not a physical game, but obviously he's playing with blokes who weigh twice as much as him and they were three times as old as him. There's the, the chance of a slight accident in a tackle or something. Yeah, yeah. So he so he joined in. The kid joined in to make up the numbers, and um, it was amazing. Just been, it was like having a dog chasing you. You're like, do you remember Terry Phelan? You remember Terry Phelan, the, the yes, great, yeah. uh, the great fullback under Jack. Yeah, it was like having a 13 year old Terry Phelan just snapping at your ankles, 
But it was um, it was just a brilliant. It was great to see this kid, and reminded me of what sort of love that I had when I was a young, you know, thirteen years old for a for football. But I've still got a lot of that, and I think if you if you read the book, if you read above head height, you'll you'll sense I think that passion for the game. Uh, so, so yeah, so James, t- tell us a bit more about these characters you mentioned, um, the characters we see every week at the Fireside. Uh, the one the one who upsets me is the reluctant keeper. He's the fella now who goes in and doesn't try. He tries to get back out as quick as he can. A dubious, dubious character, that fella. Uh, well, you know what, actually? That's a good point, because I haven't, I haven't put in that character, the deliberate... I recognise him, what you're saying, the deliberately bad goalie. But yeah. uh, two, week, two weeks ago, I was playing... This guy went in goals. A uh, guy shot from the edge of the area. It, it was this was about a six a six aside, but an eight aside pitch. He bowed. He actually bowed under the ball like a king ah. and the queen had arrived. It's like the king of Thailand has shown up and he's bowed down. <laughs> the ball's gone over his where his stomach was, his chest oh. was. And the thing is, it's actually quite easy to be a goalkeeper. It's not easy to be a very good goalkeeper, but all you've got to do is stop the ball going past. It's just like it's just like bulldogs that you played at school or rugby. You've just got to get between the ball and the net. It's not that hard. And um, it, it, what I found was, as a kid, I would have been, <clears throat> and a young, uh, you know, as a younger adult, I wouldn't have really cared about being in. But when I actually started trying, I found that. Um, it's quite enjoyable, the sense of the, the sensation. You know, if you do stop a good shot, even if it just comes off your leg or your... But the amount of people I play with who don't use their hands in goals, it's just that's, that's the benefit you've got of being in goals. So there's certainly, there's that character. Uh, other guys, uh, that, uh, other, other players, um, there's, there's always a furious one who's panicking even when you're winning. <laughs> I play with one guy, and he's actually a very quiet guy off the pitch. But the moment we play, he's like Captain, he's like the uh, Corporal Jones in Dad's Army. Don't panic! Don't panic! Don't panic! We're really gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, yeah, we gotta group together again. We gotta keep going, keep going. I said, Andy, we're two 0 up. Yeah, never. You can't let standards slip. And it's like, Andy, it's just a friendly kickabout. Calm down. <laughs> and he's uh, getting panic. <clears throat> yeah. no, but it's exactly. It's like that. It's like there's a volcano going off. But what's actually happening is we've just gone two 0 up. So there's there's that person, the sort of the panicker. Uh, there's the very calm player who slowly gets more and more wound up. That's quite unnerving. I've seen, I've <laughs> seen one guy get like that. Actually, as he's got a little bit older, I've seen his patience wear thin. With the people who are always overclaiming handball or overclaiming the balls in the goalie's area and you can't go in. So that's quite strange seeing how people's personalities change. Um, Push gradually towards the edge, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's the talker. <laughs> the talker is a great person to have in your team if they're talking constructively. I mean, I, I play against QPR fan called John. I'll play with him. He's on, if he's on the other team, He's so constructive at organising the gay, uh, the opposition's team. It feels like they've got an extra man. And then the opposite of that is, of course, the defender who stands there directing traffic, pulling midfielders back, getting uh, full-backs to close people down, but they never actually do anything themselves. They just stand there. or They should be on the side of the pitch and give somebody a game who's going to do some running. 
What kind of, how, would you, how would you describe yourself? Where, what category would you fit into yourself, do you think? A few different categories, Larry. As I said, uh, definitely, definitely used to be fitter. What I found is the older I get, the better I used to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I can still play a little bit. I'm asthmatic now and I'm knackered and past it, but I can still I scored on Sunday in a 6-2 defeat, left footer, edge of the area. Um, I can still pass. I've started to play centre-back a bit. Certainly, last one to go in goals, I have to be asked to go in. But then, as I said, I do enjoy it when I go in. Um, yeah, you know, lazy, on it. Lazy, skillful, honest, unfit. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the cruel things about five side. I think that uh, as you get on a bit, um, five side doesn't actually get you fit to play five side. If you know what I mean. No, it doesn't. It keeps you sharp for playing five side, but it was only when I actually. Um, I used to have a column in Men's Health about a decade ago and um, they did this thing where they got eight people from the media, uh, you know, like there was a Sky Sports presenter and a T4 presenter and a couple of editors and radio. I think Chris Moyles did it. And he got us all and they gave us a trainer for eight weeks. And that's the only time I've deliberately trained and got fit that intensely. intensely. And... um, and, and at that point, when I trained properly with a personal trainer for five hours a week and did lots of stuff in between, I realised that you're not going to get fit just running around playing five-a-side. I mean, it, it, it keeps you sharp. So it keeps you, your ability to shoot or your speed at which you can interact. That's for sure. Because uh, if I miss a few weeks, um, maybe that's because I'm getting on a bit as well. I miss a few weeks. It takes a while to get going again. But... Um, yeah, you've got to have. It's based. On, I mean, there's so, such an industry about your body and everything. But the simple thing is, eat less, do more exercise. That's that is very simple. And no, I don't think you even have to ch- watch necessarily what you eat. Just half your portions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've a nice. You've a nice theory in the book that um, that a personal training business set up just to get people fit to play five said would be would be a big success. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to do it at the moment. I'm trying to do um, speed flex. It's Alan Shearer's, um, the, the gym company, Alan Shearer, kind of founded um, at the moment. Just to, I'm doing a kind of a six week thing just to try and get some fitness, and it's good. But but I'm not sure it's a replacement for football training. Yeah, I mean, I see these people in the park where they do group training. There'll be somebody in the park who's got like about twenty people. They call mm. it commando training or something. I don't know what it is. Probably just calisthenics, but yeah. Um, if you actually had somebody coaching, skill coaching and fitness coaching, because the last two guys that I've trained with have been boxing orientated, which is great if there's a bit of a scuffle. I feel totally calm because I know no one's going to hit me. I get my head out of the way or, you know, it's made me feel calmer. Yeah. But you kind of need uh, ball work and just things for sprints, really, and, and also ongoing. I'd... I had a nice letter last night from a guy who doesn't play with us anymore, who I wrote about. And uh, in my book, he, uh, it was impossible to mark Larry. Impossible. He wasn't an amazing, he wasn't an amazing ball player. Uh, the best that he would do, which was to sneak up on the far post and get a goal. But he didn't stop running. He didn't stop running at all. 
And a couple of times I thought, I'm going to try and... Um, there's a Scottish fellow called Graham. Uh, I'm going to try and keep up with him just to mark him because he keeps going. And it was impossible. And I've said in the book, you know, I reckon he used, he's been a marathon runner. And, it, it, and again, I'd never chatted to him really after the game because they'd go for a meal, I'd go home. It was so late. And um, he said to me, thanks for the nice words in your book, James. I am indeed 26 years of marathon runner. (laughs) But you could just tell there was, he didn't play like anybody else I've ever played with. He didn't stop running for the whole game. I don't mean, I don't mean he was energetic. Uh, I I mean, he was just running. He would be at right back, he'd at left wing, right wing. He was moving around for the whole game. It was like a marble in a tray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we've, we've got those guys here as well. I think we, we call them GA players. Yeah, they're probably genetically modified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, you, you, you must have played with a few famous players as well along the way, given your, um, your, your line of work. Uh, any, yeah. Any, any secrets you can, let us, you can let us into? About well, they're all in... They are. The, um, the ones I didn't put in the book was when I was on NME... Uh, writing about music. I remember we played um, Spandau Ballet once in the middle of a very rough oh. estate in London. That was one of the first times it was strange seeing up being on the same pitch as somebody who's just been on top of the pops. But um, of course, I've those, in the... those two lads, those two lads played for Manchester Rovers, of course. The two Spandau Ballet lads. <laughs> oh yeah, wouldn't you like to do that? I forgot about that. Now, there's a lot of references to to Roy the Rovers through. Through the book. What, what kind of players were they, the Spandau Valley lads? Well, I don't remember Gary Kemp playing. The others were all right. They were, they were better than the Blow Monkeys that we played against. <laughs> but I think the Blow Monkeys were slightly more artistic than them. Um, I think Spandau Valley really were just boys from uh, Camden. Um, <clears throat> so there's a great story in the book where, um, which somebody else gave me. I, I can say it's great because I've just written it up. Um, this guy Gareth wrote in a lot of different people sent me stories when I started asking about it for the um, on Twitter and so on and um, this guy sent this story and he said I was playing with uh, a mate of mine who's very academic he doesn't really know much about pop culture and we had a ringer that week another guy brought his mate along called Rob and Rob wasn't a bad player very friendly lots of high fives and uh, he was covered in tattoos. And um, this guy's other player, we'll call him Andy. Andy, the academic, was chatting to Rob and they were getting on really well. And we all went for a drink afterwards, he said. And it was only when Rob was getting a great deal of attention in the pub from the other regulars that um, Andy turned to him and said, who are you? And uh, it turned out it was Robbie Williams. (laughs) So... Uh, and because what what you said about <clears throat> me working as a as a journalist and an editor in my line of work, line of work, obviously I've met a lot of people who you know are well known and, and occasionally had a game of football with them. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I wasn't sure whether to put that in the book because I wanted it to be a sort of every man's book. I wanted it to be a book that really reflected everybody's five side games. I didn't want it to be. Oh, look at me, I've met some famous people because I've had some hit magazines. But when I asked people on Twitter to send in their memorable experiences of Fiverside, there were all sorts of funny stories and loads of violent ones. But a recurring theme was people wanted to tell me about when they had 
had great days or great games through one reason or other played against celebrities or former players as well. You know, a charity day or a total coincidence, somebody just bringing on somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. I like the story about Robbie Williams or maybe on an open day at a club, you know, they have open days, you, you get to play a five-a-side against ex-players and, and um, there were a lot of stories. There's three, if you're a Liverpool fan in particular, there's three very good stories about playing with ex-Liverpool players. I'm not going to tell them, but uh, that's one for the Liverpool fans. And there's a man, I was one time playing with an, a, a guy who was very good and uh, before the game started, I went over to, I'm going to mark that guy. He's clearly the best guy in the tournament. And he turned out to be a former well-known Man United player, just shaved all his hair off. So, um, yeah, there, there's a few stories like that. Just one of the, one of the things I've, I've sort of often thought about, five aside, six aside or whatever, that once you get to a certain age, there's a certain purity about it in that you've sort of, you've given up any hope of improving as such. So, uh, <laughs> So really yeah. it's all about the next, you know, it's all about the next hour, really. If you can get, you know, you're sort of, you're not really thinking about, look, if I, if, you know, if I get a couple of goals in this game, I might get on the team or whatever, you know. So you're sort of almost, uh, <laughs> you're enjoying the football a bit more um, at, at, once you get yeah. to a certain point, I think. Yeah, I think that, I think, um, yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point. I think that the older you get, the more this is a, a link back to your, your youth. You've got less responsibilities than... And um, you know there is a lot more to enjoy, but um, and you hope to get many more years out of it. Yeah, I really hope so. <laughs> It'd be terrible <laughs> if I had to stop once my books come out. Um, yeah, I mean I played with one guy who's sixty-nine, and he's okay. You know, he's he's not fragile. You're not having to make excuses for him. He's he's still a pretty good player, and he's uh, and a few of the guys are hitting sixty now. But at the same time. As a, I mean, I play with guys who are 69 and 15. That's the spread. That's a whole lifetime of five-a-side. Yeah. I find the 15-year-olds are okay. It's the 25-year-olds are a killer, really, aren't they? Those guys who can run. Well, and they're the teenagers for me. The, the, the kids who are in the late... They're not kids. They're men, obviously. But the 18, 19... It's the speed. I mean, you know, if, if they're static with a ball, you could take it off them. But the moment they set off... It's like grasping air. Yeah, it can be. It can be a cruel game at times. But as you say, there's always something. You might you might go two or three weeks where you feel maybe it's time to knock it on the head. But then it always something happens and you're you're drawn back in again. If you read above head height, you should be inspired to come back. I think there are people telling me all the time they're going to come back. It's nice to have a little bit of Rod there. There's a nice anecdote from Rod in the book. I'll tell you. Uh, I had dinner with him a few a few years ago, and his wife said. Rod, tell James about the kitchen. And uh, as a young boy living in North London with his Scottish family, um, his father and elder brothers coached and ran a football team and played in the team. And Rod said as a little boy, he'd be sitting in the kitchen and uh, just the smell of dubbing and boots getting tied and kit being put on. And he said that was one of the reasons he loved football so much because... Just sit, been there every Saturday with his mum's kitchen full of his dad's football team. And I think Above Head High is really fueled by the love of football I had as a kid. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.